You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon is titled simply, Be Confident. Be Confident. And the scripture that we're going to look at is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36. In Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 35, it says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. Verse 36 says, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. The writer of Hebrews is encouraging us to not throw away our confidence in God, because it says if we hold fast to our confidence, if we hold fast to the trust in God, it says in verse 35 that you will have a great reward. Thankfully, we have the Bible and we can read the Bible, and the Bible, we know that the Scriptures interpret Scripture. So we can look at other Scriptures that involve confidence that can show us some of the rewards that God is talking about in this passage. We'll look at three different rewards that you can walk in if you hold fast to the confidence of God. That word, confidence, in the original text means a freedom in speaking. Boy, do we need that now. Freedom in speaking. It means a frankness. It means a bluntness. It means an assurance. That word confidence in the original text means a boldness. It means freely and being openly. Don't cast away your confidence in God. Don't cast away your boldness in God. Don't cast away your assurance in God. Be free, be open in regards to your confidence, your trust, your faith in God. If you keep reading in Hebrews chapter 10, the next scripture, I believe, if not the second scripture after that, he's quoting another scripture from the Old Testament, and one of the phrases in there says, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Be confident. We had to ask a question internally that we could answer for each and every one of us. Is there something in your life that you're confident in? And you know, in confidence, you can have a good confidence and you can have a bad confidence. Are you confident, like me, that I am the best husband in this whole world? She's laughing way too much. The best. I'm so confident in how good of a husband I am. But I'm also confident in how good of a musician, a cook, and a mother my wife is. Ha-ha. Brownie points. If you could say that there's something that you are confident in that you're good. Are you a good musician? Are you a good chef? Are you a good driver? Or do you have bad confidence? I am the worst driver that has ever gotten in a car. I am the worst musician. You see, you can have great confidence, but you can also have terrible confidence. I am the worst chef. I burn everything, including water. No good. Now that we're in church, 
Let's make it about God. What are you confident in what God can do in your life? Are you confident that He can save you? Are you confident that He can heal you? Confident that He can restore you? Or do you have bad confidence in God? Are you confident that He doesn't like you? Well, I'm confident that He forgot about me. I'm confident that he doesn't know who I am. I'm confident that if I came to church, he wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. But I want to encourage you today to be confident in God in the good way. That God is a good God. God went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. The scripture says, if Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And everything that we saw Jesus do was love on people. He healed people. He touched people that weren't supposed to be touched in the world. He forgave people that should have never been forgiven. He raised the dead, healed the sick, healed the lepers, provided for the people, gave them food. All that God does is love take care of, and that we have a confidence in knowing that as I say yes to God, then that makes me a son and daughter of the Most High God. The Scripture says, would you, being an evil father, give your son, when he asks for bread, a stone? Would you give him a snake? Would you give him evil things? No, no, no. Then how much more would your good father in heaven Give things to you. Be confident in knowing that God wants to provide. Because it says in Hebrews 10 that if you cast away your confidence, if you lose your confidence, if you give up on your confidence, then you're not going to receive the great reward. And let's look at some rewards when it comes to confidence. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 21 is the first reward that we're going to see. And it says, Beloved... If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. If you've ever studied English or grammar, we have a if-then statement right here in the Scriptures. If this happens, then this happens. If your heart does not condemn you, then we have confidence toward God. But the opposite of this statement is also true. If we have confidence in God, then our heart does not condemn us. So the first reward we see in regards to having confidence in God, confidence in God equals less condemnation. Praise God. It's a pretty good reward. I don't know if I can say reward today, so I apologize. I'll Try and say that word a little bit cleaner. That word condemn in the scripture right here in the original text means to find fault or blame. And when we're talking about your heart here, it's talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions. The inside, the internal you. And boy does our internal us like to condemn ourselves. As soon as you do something disrespectful to your spouse, you walk away and you say, man, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. You say something to somebody at work, you're driving, somebody cuts you off. 
Praise God, bless them. It's usually what we say, right? When we sin, when we struggle, when we have insecurities, our mind, will, and emotions, our heart are the first ones to condemn us. How dare you? Who do you think you are? You're going to read your Bible after you did that last night? After you said that to that person? You're going to pray to God? Oh, well, I guess, I guess you're right. I just, it says here, if we don't have confidence in God, then our heart is just going to condemn us. But a great reward that is available to us in having confidence in God is less condemnation. If we read a chapter above in 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 says, And now, little children, abide in Him. Talking about Jesus, we see that H being capitalized, that when He, when Jesus appears, we may have confidence and look, and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Verse 29, if you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. I don't know about you, but I know that I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. I once was a sinner, but I believed on Jesus, and now I'm practicing righteousness. And it says, when I practice righteousness, I'm born of Him. I'm born again. I am a new creation. Therefore, this condemnation can't stay with me. It can condemn my old me. But condemnation, you can't condemn my new me. Because it wasn't me who did anything except believe on Jesus. Jesus did all the work and He changed me. He brought me out of darkness and brought me into light. So therefore, I cannot condemn my new self and my new creation. Because then I'm condemning Jesus. And God did all the condemnation on Jesus on the cross. Praise God. Yeah, when I was like Adam and I was a sinner, yeah, I could condemn myself all I want. But now I'm a new creation. Now God is on my side. Now God is working in me, through me, and to me. I'm not who I once was. And God is bringing me from glory to glory, from faith to faith. So you have to have a confidence in God that He's still working on you. Look in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that He, Jesus, who has begun a good work in you and in me, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ hasn't come back yet, then that means God's still working on me. Praise God. He's not done with me. He's still working on me. I'm still, I've still got this. I've still got that. Yes, you're still flesh. You're still in this fallen world, but God is still working on you. Don't lose your confidence in Him because He's the one that's working on you. When you have a contractor working and building your house... Do you constantly go to them? Are you done yet? Are you done yet? He's like, I've got, I just tore the sheetrock down. There's studs everywhere. Now, probably in the real world, people are annoying and want to know when their work is done. 
but he's still working on you. You got saved, and he stripped off all that moldy drywall. He pulled out all that asbestos out of your house. He ripped off all that old paint. And now he's putting up new studs. He's putting up new drywall. He's putting up new paint on you. He's still working on you. Don't lose your confidence in what he's doing. Because there's a great reward. Good Lord, I can't say that word today. (laughs) That is available to you. We looked at 1 John chapter 3 and chapter 2. We'll look at a couple other scriptures in John. And John was a disciple of Jesus. John makes the statements in his own writing, and we can look at one of the statements in John chapter 13, verse 23, where John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. The audacity of this man. He's got 11 other disciples. Maybe he could say that excluding Judas. Jesus has people all around him. He has Lazarus, he has Mary, he has Martha, Nicodemus, these people that he's healed, these people that he's saved. He's got all, he's got family, he's got friends, he's got his mom, he's got his dad, he's got his siblings. And John has the audacity to write in his own book about himself and say that I and the disciple whom Jesus loves. In John chapter 13, Jesus and his disciples are having the Passover meal, the Last Supper, and it says, now there was leaning on Jesus on his bosom, on his chest at the table, was one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Do you think that it's possible that there, that John understood his position and had a confidence in God that so many people didn't understand. You see, John didn't betray Jesus. John didn't doubt Jesus. John didn't deny Jesus. John was the only one at the cross, at the foot of Jesus, standing next to his mother. John was one of the first ones to get to the tomb after Mary told them that it was empty. Every big miracle, every sign and wonder that Jesus did, John was standing right there next to him. And then John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through the leading and guiding of God, writes five books of the New Testament. John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelations. Do you think that there is a correlation in his confidence in God and his ability to write five books of the Bible? He knew who he was, he knew his position, and there was no condemnation that was going to stop him from having the encounter and the love that he had with his Savior. He had a confidence in who he was because he had a confidence in his relationship with God. And he saw Jesus do miracle after miracle after miracle. And he believed every word that he said. And if you read any book of John, all he does is talk about the love of God. The disciple whom Jesus loved. The closer you get to God, the more confident you become in him and experience less condemnation from your own heart. Isn't that, wouldn't that be amazing? 
to finally silence that little thing in the back of your head. Well, you're no good. God doesn't love you. God doesn't listen. He's not going to answer that. How dare you after you did this, this, and this. If I could shut that guy off because I was just confident in my father. You quit listening to your surroundings and start believing that God is working on you and through you. Don't lose your confidence. Let's look at another reward. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. The apostle Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, he writes, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. So because I have confidence, because I have faith in Jesus and the work that He did, I have boldness and I have access. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 If you've been in church or you've been here, you hear me quote this scripture a lot. Let us therefore come boldly. Boldly where? To the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I love God so much and I love that he's so abundant in his giving. It would be good enough if God just said, you can come into my throne of grace. Just think about that. That would be good enough on God's part. You can just come in. Don't get too close. Stand in the back. Calm down. Stand right there against the back wall. That would be good enough for God. Let's just put it at that. If I could just make it into his throne room of grace and just stand there in the back, hiding behind a a lamppost or angel or whoever, that would have been good enough for God. But that is not who God is. He says you can walk boldly into his throne room. I can walk to the front of the room, sit on the front row, stand in front of his throne. That would be good enough. But God is an abundant God, and that's not good enough for God because he says once you come in, you come in boldly, you come to my throne, then you can obtain mercy. That's enough, God. You've already given me access. You've told me I can walk in boldly. I can obtain mercy. But that's not enough for God. He wants to give you more. You could obtain mercy and find grace in help in time of need. Not when he tells you you can have it. He says when you have need of it, you walk boldly in here and you come get it. The reward for having confidence in God is to have boldness and access. When I was younger, I was in high school. The first ticket I ever got was speeding in a school zone. I literally passed the cop. It was the first day of school. I saw the cop as I drove by him, and I was on the phone with my mom as I was driving to work. Wasn't really paying attention because I drove about a mile, got to a stoplight, went through the stoplight, and then finally realized there was a cop behind me with his lights on. And he wrote me a ticket for speeding in the school zone. I think it was like 30 and a 25. But because it was a school zone ticket, I had to go to court. Listen, it's embarrassing enough to go to court, but it's even more embarrassing to go to court and people be like, what are you here for? They're like, oh, I'm here for murder. I'm here for killing everybody. I was going 200 miles an hour in a 70. And they say, what are you in here for? And I said, I was going 30 in a 25. (laughs) This guy's cool. And I sat in that courtroom as I watched people go up and talk to this judge. And let me tell you, I did not have boldness the more I watched these people talk to that judge. 
as the judge pronounced sentence upon them. Because of this, you have a fine of this. Because of this, you lose your license. Because of this, you're on probation. Because of this. And then finally, it was my turn, and they called me up there to the throne room. As my knees were knocking, I stood there, did not have more boldness the closer I got to the judge. Didn't feel more confident to talk to this judge as he reads off the ticket, and he says, tell me what happened. And I said, uh, I was driving, and that guy pulled me over. <laughs> That's, But I was smart enough. I didn't want to say that I was speeding in a school zone. So I said, I was speeding in the zone, and the cops saw me. And he starts looking at it, and he says, they clocked you going 30 in a 25? And I was like, uh, yeah. And he says, well, those radar guns are off, so sometimes they're a, a mile or two plus or minus. And I was like, all right, we're, we're turning the curve. He's on my side. Grace and mercy has shown up. And he looked at the address, and he says, hold on a second. Is this a school zone? And I said, yes, sir. He said, this is the school that my kids go to. I said, well, the electric chair for me. I had defensive driving. I was on probation for six months. Did not have confidence. When I was working in the prison as a, as a corrections officer, I caught a guy that was trying to sneak drugs in. And so I had to file this report. And uh, we pressed charges against the, the, the inmate for bringing drugs in and um, and so I got called in front of the grand jury uh, to give testimony on the charge to see if they would pick up the charge and place it on the inmate. And so um, it's, it's just terrifying to get something that says, hey, you have to come to court. And so I walk to this courtroom. I'm wearing my uniform. I go in there. I meet with the uh, district attorney, and he's like, hey, it's fine. Just tell me what happened. They're going to ask you some questions. Uh, the district attorney was actually uh, one of my professors uh, in college. And he said, they're just going to ask you some questions. They're going to ask you about your testimony, about what you wrote in the report, and then they're going to decide if they're going to press charges and, and put the charges on them or not. There was no way that I could get in trouble. There was nothing. I, I was giving my testimony. I was saying what was already written, what was already established, and I had no boldness. I had no confidence. As I walked in there and sat in front of this jury as they were asking me questions, I felt like I had to confess. It was me. I did the drugs. I stole the drugs. And I'm like, I didn't. I found them. But here it says, when you have confidence in God, in Ephesians, it says you have a boldness. And in Hebrews, it says you can walk boldly into his throne room, and you can obtain grace and mercy. But it also says that you have access. You have access. Access means you can come and go as you please, any time that you need to. Just like you, I have a set of keys that's hopefully still here in this building. And on those keys are keys to my house, keys to my car, keys to this church. I can come to this church any time that I want, put the key in, open it up, and come in here. I can go home today, unlock my door, and walk into my house. I can go to my car. But if I get my keys and walk to your car and try and jam that key in there, 
we're probably going to have a problem. You're going to go run out there, hey, 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 what are you doing? So I got a key, I've got access. When I bought those cars, my wife's car and my car, I was handed the keys from the dealership. When I took over the church here, the leadership thankfully believed in us and asked us to be the pastors here, going on four years, praise God. They gave me the keys to the building. When I bought the house, we signed all the paperwork at the lawyer's office. They gave me a bag of keys. It's like, what's this? And because I was given those keys, I now have access to those facilities anytime that I want. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, this is Jesus speaking. This isn't his disciples. This isn't some man or woman by the wayside. This is Jesus making the statement, and I, Jesus says, I will give you access the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you lock on earth will be locked in heaven. And whatever you unlock on earth will be loosed in heaven. Having a confidence in God not only gives you a boldness to walk into his throne room, it also gives you access to everything that's in heaven. You need healing, you have access to it because the keys have been placed in there. That's why it says I can lay hands on the sick and expect them to recover because I'm calling what's in heaven down here on earth. I'm going to change the atmosphere around me because I know what's in heaven I have access to that I can bring and unlock here on earth. And if it's not up in heaven, then I'm going to bind it here on earth. Death and destruction is not going to affect my family and affect my life and affect my church. I'm going to lock those up because I have access to do that. When you have a confidence in God, you walk around knowing the devil's not going to hurt me. The devil's not going to destroy me. The things of this world are not going to push me down like they have in the past. Something is going to change because I've been given the access. And if I fall, if I stumble, if I need help, if I need guidance, then I have the boldness and the ability to walk into his throne room and say, I need you. You said you would help me. So I need you to help me. Maybe that's not a good enough reward. Let's go one more reward. Our last reward can be found in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Praise God. Verse 15 says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions or the request that we have asked of him. The third reward for having confidence in God is answered prayers. Answered prayers. Having a confidence in God, it says right here, answered prayers. Once again, let's go back to our abundant God. It would be good enough for God to hear your prayers. The God of the universe, the God of the cosmos, the God who created universes and planets all the way down to the individual cell and atom and molecule. The one who is busy moving all of eternity around, moving history, moving kings, moving presidents, sending his son to die. As he's moving and maneuvering and sending angels and doing all of these things, it would be good enough and right of God to just hear your prayer. Got it? Check. Heard it? 
Okay, write it down, angel. He prayed again. Make sure you write it down. I want to hear it. That's a good God to just hear my prayer. But that's not who God is. God wants to be so much more. He not only wants to hear it, he wants to answer it. He wants to show up and he wants to show out in your life. We overcame that dumb devil by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony, the freedom of speaking, the confidence of our testimony that my God is bigger than anything that's in this world. God is on my side, I will not fear. Greater is he that's in me than anything that's in the world. We have answered prayers. If there's an emergency in your world, then there's one number that you call. And that number, when you call it, will provide assistance quicker than any other number. If something's going on in your house, we don't teach our kids, call mom and dad. If there's a fire in the house, there's somebody trying to break in, if there's an emergency, we don't teach them, call grandma, call grandpa, they'll show up, they'll help. Call the dog, call the mayor, call the pastor. No, no, the first thing that we teach them is call 911. And I know, I have an assurance, I have a confidence, hopefully, that when I call 911, somebody's going to answer that phone call. Because I'm not calling just to check the weather. I'm not calling just to say, hey, how are you? What are you doing? Are you busy? What's a good food recommendation? I'm not calling 911 because I just want to know where the newest restaurant is. I'm calling 911 because there is an emergency and I need an answer and I need a resolution to that answer. And so when I call 911, I expect someone to answer. And someone does. Y'all remember the show, 911, what's your emergency? And then based off the information that I provide to that person on the other line, they decide what needs to be sent to resolve the problem. There's a fire in my house. All right, we're sending uh, a medic. No, the whole house is burning down. All right, we're going to send animal control. They're going to take care of it. No, no, no. I expect when I call them and I tell them what the emergency is that they have the answer to provide the solution. There's a fire in my house. We're sending the firefighters. We're sending every fire truck that we have available. Hold on. They're on the way. Keep believing. Keep listening for the sound that's coming. They're on their way. Don't give up yet. Make sure you're safe. Stay ready. Stay vigilant. Because I know that when I call, they hear. When they hear, they respond. And when they respond, I get an answer to the solution of my problem. And that's why we should have confidence when we pray to God. That when I pray, I expect a 911 response from my God. I expect Him to hear me. I expect Him to understand the situation. And I expect Him to send the appropriate response. It might not be the response that I'm expecting, but I expect Him to send a response and solve my problem and save me and restore me and fix it. God, I've got health issues. I need healing. All right, I sent his word, and it healed you of all destruction and all disease. I need this fixed in my relationship. I need this. I need that. The world's burning down, God. I need help. I feel alone. I feel isolated. I feel tired. I feel weary. I'm struggling today, God. 
And this says when you have confidence in God, he hears you. Not only does he hear you, but he responds. And he responds with the answer to provide in your life. You're a Christian who has a direct line to your father, who not only hears but answers your prayer. God hears, decides, and sends the necessary help to save you. Don't lose your confidence in God. As we finish today, be confident in God. If you're confident in God, we saw today throughout the scriptures, you're, you are rewarded with not dealing with condemnation. Praise God. If you're confident in God, you're rewarded with having boldness and access to God. And if your confidence, if you don't lose your confidence in God, you're rewarded with knowing God hears and responds to your prayers. I've got one scripture left. And I'm just going to prophesy it over you. I hope you receive it today as I read it. Because this is what happens when you have confidence in God. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, Jeremiah is speaking. He says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And that word hope right here is actually confidence in the original text, in the Hebrews text. Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord. Blessed are you who trust in the Lord and whose confidence is in the Lord. And this is what it looks like. This is what your life can look like from this point forward in verse 8. For you shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. And look at this. And will not fear when heat comes, but your leaf will be green. And it will not be anxious in the year of the drought, nor will you cease from yielding fruit. When you have a confidence in God, your life's going to change. Doesn't matter what happens on the outside. Doesn't matter what comes against you. Listen, bad things happen to good people. It happens. But what you decide having a confidence in God is how you're going to respond to that. I'm not going to let it knock me down. I'm not going to let it dry up my life. I'm not going to let it not bear fruit in my life. I'm not going to let my life prosper. I'm just going to die, wither, and fall back into the same things. that I've. No, no, no. When you have a confidence in God, it says you're going to grow, you're going to flourish, and you're going to bear fruit in your life. You're not going to be who you once were. You're going to be who God has designed you to be. Don't lose your confidence in him. Let's stand up as we get ready to go today. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I ask you to continually help us build our confidence, our trust, our assurance, our freedom in speaking in you. That I'm going to stand on your word. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to quote your scriptures. I'm going to say what the Lord says about me. I'm not going to say what the world says about me, what the devil says about me, what my boss says about me, what anything else says about me. I'm going to believe what God says about me. And when I stand in the full confidence of God, I don't deal with the condemnation. I have a boldness inside of me. I have an access that I know that when I pray, he hears me and he responds. And so I can go out and I can be a light to other people. I can tell them about the goodness of God, that I once was this, but now I'm this, because God has got his hands on me. God is working on me. God is moving in me. God is showing up in my life. I am not going to be who I was at the beginning of the year. I am going to be who God has called me to be, because I have a confidence in him. I might lose trust in everything else in this world, but I'll trust in you, God.
I'll trust your word. I'll trust your word. I'll trust your word. I'm not giving up because I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to believe your word one more time. Father, I thank you for these people today. I thank you that they're blessed and highly favored. I thank you that they're healed by the stripes of Jesus. I thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against them, Father, I condemn in the name of Jesus. Father, it says in your word that they are the head and not the tail. Your word says they are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Your word says that the favor of God surrounds them like a shield, and everything they put their hands to must prosper. Father, your word says that we are the salt and light of the earth. Your word says that everywhere we go, we diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. And so when I walk into a situation, I diffuse Jesus everywhere I go. I bring His peace. I bring His mercy. I bring His grace everywhere I go. And therefore, I will be a testimony to the people that I come in contact with. So, Father, bring people across our path this week that we can share the gospel message. Bring people across our heart that I can text, I can call, I can send a message on social media, I can tell them something in the the grocery store that Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried in a tomb and He rose again the third day. And if you believe that, if you confess that, then your life and your eternity is changed forever because of that gospel message. Now, Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely next Sunday or next Saturday when they come to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you so much. We'll see you all next Sunday. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.